It's time to get it, and you know how we get it. Americano! The podcast about all things business and personal growth with your host, Eric Vonheim. Today, I would like to welcome Robina Abramson-Walling to the show. Robina, how are you doing? I'm so good, Eric. And first of all, I'm so grateful for this opportunity, and I'm so grateful for you. So thank you. Absolutely. I've been meaning to reach out to you for quite some time. Uh, For our listeners out there, can you share with them where you're calling in from today? I'm calling in from Woodbridge, Ontario, Canada. 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 What's it like in Canada right now? Is it cold? Actually, right now it is sunny and it's like spring-like weather. So we say seven degrees Celsius. I don't know what that is for you guys, but um, it's above zero, which is great for this time of the year. And I think anything, anytime you're above zero is probably really good, right? It's a very good thing. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been to Canada in the past. Uh, uh, the last time I went up there was in Toronto. What's your proximity to Toronto? Oh, I'm 20 minutes from there. That's our city. That's your city. That's your jam. Okay. I remember that's that's your jam. I remember what I loved most about Toronto was there was a coffee shop on every block. It was either Tim Hortons or Starbucks. Is that still true? It is so true. Tim Hortons is, uh, I guess it started in Canada. And I know that it's reached out to a few American um, and even I found one in Spain. So there's a couple of franchises all over the world. So it's pretty cool. Nice. nice. So it's making its way throughout the globe. Yeah. And I know you're the coffee guy. So. <laughs> Just a little bit. I have my Americano in hand, actually, as we have these conversations. So I love it. So are you native to Canada? I am. So I was born and raised here. Um, My background is I'm a very much of a mix. My father is from Trinidad and Tobago. So um, he is part Indian and Spanish. And my mother is 10th generation Canadian, Mm -hmm. but half black, half white. Nice. Nice. That's a great combination. Thanks. Yeah. So you have a very diverse background and um, that's just simply wonderful. So You've lived in Canada for a number of years. Maybe you could share a little bit about your background. What have you been up to in the north? I'll say the north since you're north of me at this present time. Um, currently? What am I currently up to? No, just a little bit, a bit about your background in general. So um, I think where I started sort of, you know, getting to know you was um, around a, a time, and I'm not sure if you're still doing this, but you were really into fitness and um, and even from what I can tell, doing some fitness modeling, right? So maybe you could talk a little bit about that or start there, and then we'll kind of bring it forward to today. Sure. So I'll, I'll give you a little background to that. So my background, my formal education is I'm a nurse uh, by education. So I have a bachelor and a master's of nursing science. So mm-hmm. um, my background is nursing. I have four children, and um, throughout the course of all the kids that I had, I actually gained a lot of weight. Um, you know, you, you're this nurse and you work in this health and wellness industry, but yet we're the most unhealthy because of the shift work and just, you know, the need to always be on the go. So needless to say, when I had my first son, I developed a lot of unhealthy patterns and habits and I gained um, about 65 to 80 pounds with Hayden mm-hmm. after I had him. I started working out Um, and then I had another child, same situation happened, gained 60 to 80 pounds again after I had lost it. And the cycle went on for after all three of the boys. Um, Then I became very involved in the gym because it was like my only time for myself when I was raising such young children and I left my career as a nurse. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I joined a gym and I lost a lot of weight and people were following me around and I decided to become a trainer. Um, at oh. that point, I had met another trainer in the gym who had said to me, you know, you should really compete. And I had never really thought about it up until that point, but I'm very goal driven. Okay. And when he said that to me, of course, I was all in. So um, in the course of three years, I competed 12 times. Um, and that's pretty extensive. Um, and that's where I started becoming a fitness model and I 
competed in Canada and then went over to the United States as a sponsored athlete. Wow. That's tremendous. So you, it literally started with you wanting to lose a little bit of weight after the birth of your first child. Mm -hmm. And then it just opened up everything. Yeah. Yeah. Now that's not, that's no small feat. I mean, what was it like in the beginning when, you know, you're going from this, this career, this high intent, and that's a first, let's be clear. I mean, being a nurse is a tremendous job, right? There's a, you're pouring your heart, your soul, your energy into the care and needs for others. And I can certainly appreciate how sometimes you can neglect yourself because you're caring for others around you. How, when you first step into that gym in the beginning, did you have any familiarity with, you know, health and wellness or fitness to any degree, or do you just simply show up to the gym and say, where do I begin? Um, I, I think, you know, you're kind of taught some things in high school and I think this happens with everybody where, you know, you're young, you start to work out and then you think when you're in your twenties or wherever the age may be that you kind of show up is the same facility. You can't really start exactly where you ended off because your body changes. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that's true. Yeah. So, you know, like the body parts aren't what they used to be. So I ended up hiring a trainer um, just to kind of get me familiar with the gym. And uh, that kind of found, helped me find my way around. And then once I started to sort of get some results and I really became obsessed with fitness. So I was like buying fitness magazines and watching like at the time, I guess it was videos or anything I could kind of get my hands on to familiarize how I could get that edge. Um, that's what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So it slowly and surely became this major part of me because again, as a mother, you kind of, and this goes into my nursing too, but you kind of give yourself to everybody else. And then all of a sudden you find yourself neglecting yourself. Right. And so it was my only time that I had for me. Yeah. Um, so I really throw myself into it. I threw myself into it. Yeah, that's so true. You know, it's, you, you strike a, you, you point out something that's key, which is when you think about it, you know, that the time that we take for the walk or, or the run or the gym time, or whatever we're deciding to do from a fitness perspective is, is really an investment in us. And it's really the only time we ever, you know, make that deposit in ourselves, right? Because throughout our days, we're tending to the needs of our business, our families, our friends, you know, anything that comes our way. So that's, that's critical. That's critical that we take that time. So, Absolutely. so when you're, when you, when you started at this point in time, was it initially because you were trying to improve on the aesthetics, like you just sort of the look where you're at physically, or was it you knew that health was going to give you sort of turbocharge that energy and make you that much more competitive? Because it sounds like you're a very competitive person. I'm very, um, I'm very competitive, but um, I think at the time it was, I just wanted something of my own. I gave up my career to raise my children really mm-hmm. Um, and then I just kind of lost touch of who I was because, you know, in the course of my first marriage, I also converted. I, I changed my religion. My cousin was Jewish. I was Catholic. I changed that. I gave up my, my career for my family with what, you know, I did willingly. Um, and then, you know, I just one day woke up and I was like, I don't even know who I am anymore. So for me, it was also to sort of claim my identity back to have something for myself. Yes, like physically it was for aesthetics, but from for me bigger than that was it was for me to just reclaim myself back. Mm-hmm. That's wonderful. So you get into this uh, this gym, you make all this progress, you start competing. You said twelve times. Yeah, twelve times. It was crazy. Wow, that's a tremendous amount of sacrifice. Tell us about the sacrifice, because I'm assuming you're not able to have any any pizza, any hamburgers. I mean, it seems like yeah. it's very intense, right? And 12 times, that's that's a significant period of time to be, it's almost as if you're always competing, correct? Yeah, so it was um, my first show, um, I, I did St. Patrick's Day, so it was 2000 and I think 11 uh, or 12, I can't remember, it was one of the two, no, 2011, and so... When you're starting a show, um, you got to start training 12 weeks out. So from 12 weeks out, you're really starting to clean up your diet. So uh, luckily, I mean, my first trainer was a little different than my second trainer who ended up being my husband. But um, my first trainer really restricted us, but didn't give us any real guidelines. So it was kind of all over the place. 
Whereas, um, you know, you're not eating junk food or anything processed, but like there's no alcohol. Um, so there's basically nothing that uh, you can have that basically is bad. You're mm-hmm. e- eating food basically to just fuel your body. Was that easy for you to give up those other things? Yeah, because my personality is I'm pretty much all or nothing. Um, so I, I look at the goal and I look at the end point and I always recognize that you have to sacrifice something in order to get your goal. Um, so that wasn't a huge thing for me. Mm. I, I didn't care to be, you know, deprived of things that weren't really fueling my body. So that yeah. was not the problem. Um, it wasn't the food that was the issue. It was the more of the time and the stress that was the major issue for me. Um, going through training, I believe when you're training for any event, especially as a competitive, um, bodybuilder or fitness model, or if you're stepping on stage, you're pushing your body to its limits. Mm -hmm. And there's a huge journey that you undergo internally. It's not just about your physical journey that you're going on because you have to be able to push past every single limit. You get stressed, you can hold on to water. Um, you know, anything that can happen internally can affect the the, pre- the, the, the presentation that you're bringing to the stage. Mm-hmm. So you have to really hone in on all of those things. So that was really difficult, especially uh, at the time I was sort of going through a marriage that was falling apart and I'm raising three boys and it was just a lot. It was a lot. So, um, but I pushed through it. Yeah, you pushed through, you survived. You survived. I mean, to do that, to deal with all of that, to deal with all the sacrifices uh, and everything that just comes your way in life and to push through that. I mean, that's remarkable. And so did you did you feel at that point in time that this was just a a permanent path for you, a place where you always wanted to stay and be from a uh, from a like the the aesthetics, the the physical side and, and sort of the diet and everything that you had to do to kind of maintain? Were you all in and this is it and this is the way of life or were you thinking even at that time, I'm going to do this for a period of time because I want to push myself and see what I'm capable of and how far I can take this. But ultimately knowing, hey, I'll probably end up throttling back at some point and just, you know, maintaining. Um, I think that's a really good question because at the time, I mean, competing is a very selfish sport because it's you against you and it's like, for lack of better words, wall to wall, like for the entire time. And so you kind of have tunnel vision. Um, at the time, I think I had a means to an end and I knew what I wanted to get out of the fitness industry was I wanted to, you know, gain knowledge. I was uh, sponsored by an amazing company in the States um, and who, you know, I had an amazing mentor through that company as well. Um, But I knew that this was not something that I wanted to, you know, be the rest of my life because every athlete has a season Mm -hmm. and I didn't want to be around for a season. I wanted to take what I could get from the fitness world and transform the lives of others through that journey. So um, when you're on stage and you're so lean and then you come off of it and then, you know, you have your off season and your body looks completely different, that really plays with your body image. Mm -hmm. So you have to really understand how the body works and how you work and kind of find that fine line. And I think that was a bit of a struggle for me for the first couple of years. And then I got pregnant and that changed everything. That (laughs) that changed the meal plan. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So I was supposed to step on stage. Um, I had put into a contract with uh, my sponsor. These were the shows I was going to do. And at the time we were also opening our own business. My husband and I, um, we were opening a gym Yeah. and the stress of opening the gym. And uh, just right before we had found out we were pregnant, um, my husband actually pulled me from competing. So it was, it was, he, he was like, I don't want to lose you to this stress. Right. And so then then I got pregnant and quickly realized that what I was doing was not sustainable for me. Yeah. So I have, I have a really you know important question here to ask. And uh, for anybody that's competing and obviously make all the sacrifices for food, is it fair to say that at times you found yourself hangry 
You you know that term hangry, which is you know. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. I. What? Um, I don't know, Eric. I, I don't really ever think. I, I the only time I was hangry was like the peak week, the last week before a show, because you're basically eating to get to the next meal. Like you're not yeah. overeating. So you were basically like, I remember there was like Ian would have me on so many eggs. Like I, I remember the Sunday and the Monday before the show and I was up to like 36 eggs in a day. 36 and eggs? Yeah, it was crazy. Oh my God. It was God. crazy. Oh my God. Yeah, and, and, and it was like, you know, you're just eating to get to the next meal. It's almost like you didn't even have to look at the clock. You knew like your three hours were about to hit because you were ready to rip someone's head off. (laughs) But but at the same time, you don't have the energy to do it. You're running lean and mean, right? Yeah, right. And you just got to conserve all of that energy for the day of. I love it. I love it. And I want want to, I want to jump right in and, and let's talk about Ian because you mentioned this a little while back in the conversation, which was, uh, your trainer now your husband is that fair to say that ian was your your trainer and you met him um in an attempt to oh, that's a... yeah i want i want to die let's get right in here so how did ian that's come you. about so oh oh eric like you know you're just like really getting in there now so um i was married when i met ian okay. um so he was a trainer that my trainer had brought me to and Ian Walling is was Mr. Natural Universe, Natural Olympia. He holds a lot of um, natural titles. So natural, and I'm talking, there are two teams of athletes. There are the natural athletes. Mm-hmm. I, I should really say three. There's the natural athletes, and there's the athletes that are natural-ish. And then there's the unnatural. <laughs> and, natural-ish. Um, right? Right. I'm just trying to be politically correct. Yeah. Um, but anyways, Ian uh, was was competing for many years and uh, like trained for 10 years before even stepping on stage. So he really had a different way of training people, mind, body and spirit and very like unconventional. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, he was my trainer, um, never believed in like he always said, you know, your food should always look good. You should never be eating a can like a can of tuna. Like that's not how you should be eating. Um, and you should train like you pose. So he would really train me very differently so that when I stepped on stage, any of my um, inadequacies or my flaws that a judge may see from the other perspective looking at me on the stage, I would know how to hide them properly when I was posing. So I would train towards those poses. So pretty ingenious. Um, And so, yeah, he, he basically has lots of knowledge uh, around competing, around health and nutrition, and just about wellness in general. So I trusted him implicitly. And then I oh. guess I trust him so much I married him. Yeah, well, <laughs> hopefully you weren't yeah. paying for the membership at this point. <laughs> the training fees hopefully oh, went away. Right? <laughs> I was like, thank God I don't have to pay for <laughs> I love it. So you start working with Ian and you start getting these incredible results. And, you know, you touched on something that was also, it wasn't just the physical side. It was also the mind, right? The, the soul, the mind, the way we think about things. Um, that, that's a huge component. I don't think from what I've seen with a lot of traditional trainers, they, they think in those terms. So that sounds like Ian really set himself apart in that category. Yeah, and I think, you know, it was through Ian that I learned about, and I know you talk about personal development, so this ties in really nicely, but I learned about um, the law of attraction and the secret through him, Um, So, which is pretty cool because when I was sponsored by that company, the owner of the company had also talked to me about the secret and the law of attraction. So it's funny when you sort of work in ways and develop yourself you know, you're, you're, they always say, you know, your vibe attracts your tribe. Well, then that's what that personal growth and development journey. I love that. Your vibe attracts your tribe. I love you that. You know, so it's interesting you bring up law of attraction because just yesterday uh, I was watching one of the master classes with Sarah Blakely, who's the, the mm-hmm. founder CEO of Spanx, right? And just studying her story, which she's just so remarkable. I love her. I don't know her personally. Maybe someday I'll get a chance to meet her. But she touched upon law of attraction in her story. So it's interesting that you're bringing that up now. You know, um, 
your your mind is a very powerful tool that many of us don't even tap into a tenth of what the capabilities of that we have. And so, you know, the, many, many spiritual teachers will tell you, you know, um, what you put energy towards is what comes around to you. And, you know, you, you really and truly, you manifest everything that's taking place in your world. And so if you really step back and decide to create your life, you can, but it takes a lot of belief in that sort of thing. And some people don't believe in it, but I really believe that there is a huge shift that's happening in this world that mm-hmm. people are truly understanding that there's more to life than what we're seeing. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with you. Did you have, was this innate in you at a young age? I mean, where does this, um, were you always sort of rooted in this, this, I'm just going to call it self-confidence and because it, you, you really have a lot of self-confidence. You're very, uh, it's very clear to me, you know, in terms of the content you put out there, um, conversations I've had with you that you're a very strong and confident woman. Um, was that, always there for you was that you was that nurtured at a young age how did that come to be oh god no eric i mean like i i was even though i stepped on stage in a bikini i was the most uh insecure person on that stage because i always doubted myself i always was an overachiever i I was an overachiever because i never felt like i was good enough so um, I really had to work on me and I still struggle with it, but mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that the more work you do on you, the more confident you become because you understand, listen, this is a self-limiting belief that I have. It stems somewhere from my childhood, you know, but how can I fix that? Right. And mm. so I do a lot of work on, with that with my clients and with myself as well, because Everything that we present now is based on something that's happened and we choose to bring it forward in our adulthood. So no, I I was not confident. I still, you know, I still work on my confidence every single day, but I, I'm passionate. I'm passionate about what I believe in and I want to share it with everybody. You have purpose and that purpose propels you, right? Exactly. I love it. Exactly. So you meet Ian, you fall in love, you get married, you get rid of those expensive training fees. I'm sure he was charging you. <laughs> you you have a child or how many children do you end up having with Ian following the marriage? Oh gosh, I only had one, but I have four kids. Four yeah. kids. So I had three boys with my previous marriage and so three boys and then I have my daughter with Ian. Oh, I love it. I love it. And how long have you guys been married for so far? God, you're gonna ask me a question. I really don't remember. Um, okay, we got married in 2015, and the only reason I know that is because our daughter was born in November 2015, and we got married in January. Oh, that is wonderful. And so, life changes yeah. significantly for you, or was it just a an incremental adjustment now that you have Ian on board? Tell us about uh, because you talked about. You know, you were at the time about to get on the stage again, yet another competition. And Ian said, listen, uh, l- let's not do that. It may not be in your best interest because it sounded like you and Ian were pursuing becoming gym owners. Is that fair? Yeah. So we were in the, the midst of um, opening the gym. We had opened the gym in April of uh, 2013, I believe. Um, and then I was supposed to step on stage in August and the stress level was so bad between that and training and pushing my body so much that, um, you know, I said to him, like, I'm having anxiety attacks. Like I just, I couldn't handle the stress that I was not only putting my body through, but my mind through. So he had pulled me from it and, you know, was I upset? Yeah, sure. You know, but I also knew at the end of the day that my health was the most important. And then, um, you know, then we just decided to push forward with the, with the gym. And um, that was something that we had created to sort of give us that freedom. Mm-hmm. You know, you're kind of brought up to believe, um, you know, you open your own business and you have freedom. Well, the complete opposite actually happened. And um, we opened the gym. We were thinking that we were going to develop this gym around him and, because people come from all over, really, the, the world have been training with him. 
And so we, we built this business around him and his services. And we had some residual income that we were building through the business as well. Okay. But when that was threatened because he needed surgery on both of his shoulders, we mm-hmm. had to think differently. Think differently. So how long did you guys end up having the, uh, the gym for? So we had the gym for five years. For five years. So what, what was that like going from somebody that was just, you know, showing up to the gym, working out, and then becoming somebody that was not only doing that, benefiting from your equipment, but also, you know, coaching others and leading them and inspiring them. And, you know, imagine, I would assume there was somebody like yourself years ago that walked into your gym and said, hey, where do I begin? And helping them on their journey. What was that like? I mean, it was amazing because it was my passion. And sometimes um, when you're passionate about something, it's amazing, right? Other people reap the benefits of it. But when you're a trainer and you're really serving everybody else, sometimes what ends up happening, especially when you're trading time for money. So, you know, I train you, I get paid, right? It's not a salary-based business. Um, so what ends up happening is on demand, if clients need you, then you end up dropping your time for yourself, which we just talked about self-care. So my time for training would get eaten up because I needed the money. So what ended up happening over time, because I was training clients, plus I was running the business, uh, plus I was taking care of four kids. What ended up happening is I had to pull back from the training clients because I was running the operations of the business. And then once the business started, you know, taking a hit because the first five years of really growing any business, a lot of times business owners don't get paid. So, you know, you're paying everybody else. You're the last person on the salary list, right? Um, So what ended up happening is I was getting stressed from the bill payments and what we owed and, you know, and employees and all these other demands that were on me that I ended up actually despising working out. Oh, no. It went the opposite direction for you. Yeah, because think about it for a second. My passion, my release, my outlet was working out before. And now my passion, my release, my outlet was my stress source. Oh, no. So walking into the gym was like, I didn't even want to look at working out. I didn't even want to be there. Yeah. So... What ended up happening, especially when Ian needed surgery on both of the shoulders, is I was like, okay, we need to figure out how to fix this Mm -hmm. and how to sort of figure out a way to um, create an income stream while protecting ourselves. And that's when I started my social networking company. Ah, so there's the segue. And that company that you're currently involved with is called Arborn, Arbon, correct? Arbonne, yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm still learning the terminal. I'm still learning the nomenclature here. Okay, Arbonne. Listen, it's so good. It's so good because I've heard Airborne, Arbonne, yeah. all, like, all kinds. So it's all good. It's all good. You, yeah. you realize this isn't my fault, Robina, because here in the U.S., we have this product called Airborne that, you know, is vitamin C, zinc, and <laughs> we all run to the store you and do? drink. Yeah. Airborne. It's, uh, it's like this effervescent that. tablet. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'm so conditioned. Okay. <laughs> I've been marketed to. Uh, so, you know, it takes me okay. a second to learn a new word. But uh, tell us a little bit yeah, about... You're fast. <laughs> so was this the product or the company that you had discovered when you were actually seeking a solution to where you guys were at at that time? So I want to be clear that I never thought that it would be social marketing. Ever. I actually, and this is going to sound so funny, but I'm very truthful about it. Is I did not understand social marketing. I actually thought it was the dumbest thing on the earth. Um, I just, I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand, you know, products are really good. They should be in a store. Like I didn't understand the whole business model. Um, so I was actually approached by Arbon four times in 10 years. I, I thought people, the people were annoying. Like, Everyone was trying to sell me products. I just didn't, I didn't get it. Um, But that being said, I also knew of some people that were really successful at it. So I kind of was like, okay, well, maybe there's some legitimacy behind this. 
Um, and I think when um, I said to Ian, you know, we need to figure out how to make money while we sleep, I didn't realize I was kind of putting that out into the universe. I met a complete stranger who shared the business opportunity with me and painted the picture of what could be. And, you know, me being a hard worker, very authentic, um, and just I wanted more for my family, I grasped the idea and I ran with it. And I literally never thought that I would be a, a professional network marketer, but that's what I am. Yeah. And it, uh, do you feel like this, this type of business model that you're in today, you know, really kind of brings a lot of the skills that you have to the forefront? Because, you know being, you know, outspoken, being a strong extrovert, <laughs> you know, the competitive nature, uh, being focused. I mean, it, it just sounds like it's very complementary to skills that you have. I suppose, but I also have witnessed many people that don't have those skills um, be very successful in these kind of businesses because in order to build a business, any business, it doesn't matter if it's social marketing or a conventional business, you have to grow yourself. You grow skill sets, just like any job. You start a regular job, you know, you're a novice and you work your way up into an expert through, you know, you take courses, you develop skills, you, you know, you, you network with people that teach you new things. It's the same in this industry. So um, it was, I had a lot of the skills, maybe, yes but I think that I've had to really cultivate new skills. You say I'm an, an extrovert. I don't think I'm an extrovert. I'm more of an introvert extrovert, which is funny. Um, if we were in a social setting before I started Arbonne, um, I would be, I wouldn't come and talk to you unless I had something in common with you. Really? Whereas, you know, my husband, yes. So I, I'd have to be, I'd have to be holding a cup of Tim Horton's coffee for you to walk over and approach me. <laughs> yeah like or like we have to have a mutual friend or like if i knew you were a nurse or if you know you grew up in the same place that i grew up in yeah. like i needed that commonality and it was uh I, and that goes to that insecurity right like uh maybe i didn't feel good enough to engage in the conversation or maybe it was going to be awkward so i've really developed that skill and that's a networking skill that i've developed so I truly believe that anyone can do this business. It's just you got to get skills the same way you do it with your regular job. You know, yeah. you, the first day is really hard. You have orientation and then you start, you know, building skill sets. This is the same thing. It's so interesting because, you know, having followed you on Instagram for a long time, uh, you know, you you are very, it seems to me, at least from my, my lens, uh, very comfortable with putting yourself out there and communicating and engaging. And uh, I mean, it, I think it's fantastic. So isn't it interesting how sometimes uh, people will have a certain um, perception of us that is sometimes different than our own? Yeah, absolutely. And so I think that, you know, especially in a time where social marketing is so huge, like, so we're not even talking like that, but we're talking like Instagram and all these, you know, these, um, these, social uh what's the word erica you um so just some of the social platforms platform. yeah right the social platforms that are out there i think that people always put their best foot forward and i think that one of the things that i really strive to do is i want to show my flaws too like i've shown my stretch marks i've shown myself at my heaviest i've told people that i have anxiety attacks you know i struggle with um you know i saw, i used to look in the mirror and only see all my flaws like i struggle Mm -hmm. the same way everyone else does and i think that people want to see real they don't want to see you know what you want them to see like if i look like crap and i'm on a beach i'm still going to show you that i look like crap like i don't really care yeah, hey you're I'm the one on the beach <laughs> 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 hey it's not all that bad right <laughs> no because i did that when i was away a few weeks ago and one yeah. of my friends is like look at you like you don't even care what you look like i'm like what are you saying you know, people want realness yeah. and, but people want hope. Right. And so what I hope for other people to get when they, when they hear me speak is that I've been there. Right. Like I get it. I was the woman that felt stuck. I was the woman that I, I was like, there's gotta be more. I was the woman that had no identity anymore. Like I woke up, I was like, I don't even know who I am. I was that girl. You know, I was the one that messed up. I was mm. like, that was me. 
And if you struggle with that, if I could be here and be your inspiration, you could be here too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, so I, that's what I want people to see. And, um, you know, is it, I feel like it's just a gift to, to be able, if I can help inspire one person, then that's, that's all that matters to me. And that's winning for you. Was it initially yeah. difficult for you to put that rawness out there on the, on the social platforms where you're just being authentic? Because it seems to me that, you know, someone like I referenced earlier, Sarah Blakely, she is very much that person. She's very raw. Uh, she says, listen, I, what you see online is what, who I am in the, in the real world. And I don't want to create these two different personas, essentially. Was that natural for you to do that? Or did you just say, uh, I don't know if I should post this? Because there's sometimes it's like this self-doubt um, that happens. I mean, I think for all of us, when, before we click upload. <laughs> yeah, 100%. And, um, you know, listen, Mel Robbins wrote a book by the called the five second rule i don't know if you've ever read that book um but it's funny before reading that book my entire life has been based on that whole theory and do you know that book at all eric i've heard the title but i haven't read it but i think i'm gonna check okay, into that I'll give, I, i'm gonna give you the premise so the premise is basically when you let's say your alarm clock goes off every single morning and you press snooze you're like ah, i don't really want to go out and get up like or i don't feel like working out today like we have all that self-doubt that happens in our mind and there's actually neurotransmitters that are like released um and things that happen in your brain when you count down from five so right away when you say five four three two one what do you think go Blast off, go right. <laughs> let's get this. That's what I think, Robina. Let's go, yeah, go let's time, chop, go. chop. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're gonna, you're starting to see the real Robina. I like it. Let's go with this. So there's something that happens in your body when you say that, and so my whole life has been based on that entire premise. So when I read that book, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like who I've always been because I truly believe that if you sit and just contemplate every decision, every, you know, idea, every moment in your life, you're going to miss it. Yeah. What do they say? Say paralysis through analysis, right? Oh yeah, man. And you just literally got to take that leap of faith and trust in your gut that you got to do it and you got to fail forward, right? You'll never know unless you fail. So I literally live by that five-second rule. Yeah, some of those pictures I post, they're hard to post, man. Yeah. They are hard to post because you're like, oh, I, I like, did I even look like that? Right? You know, but but if I can help one person and they're like, wow, this girl, Rabina, like, she's, she's, she'll put it out there. Yeah, you're the real deal. If I don't like something, I'm going to, I'm going to say it. If I love it, I'm going to say it too. But I want you to know that it's real. Yeah, that, you know, I think you're right. People are craving that authenticity, right? Because there's just so much noise out there. There's so much just fake oh. stuff. And um, I love the fact yeah. that you have that much confidence and uh, passion to do that. Because, you know, you're right. If you if you see both, you know, the pretty and not so pretty um, content of somebody's life, which is common amongst all of our lives, because nothing's perfect. And nothing always seems what, it, what it, we put out there. I think it's real. I think it's probably people gravitate towards that more so than the other content. Yeah, but I also believe that like don't spend your Instagram time or or even even vocalizing all the negative. Like yeah. negative happens to everybody. It does, and even to me. But I, I choose to sit in it sometimes because I believe that there's a lesson in everything. But I will not speak of it for very long. Right. Because the more time that I draw my attention to that negative, the more negative is going to come to me. So I really focus on trying to find a light in everything that happens. Right. That's fantastic. And so that's why I share it. Yeah. Because my, my, down, my down times, my horrible moments in my life, my divorce, you know, my remarriage, my struggle with weight gain, you know, my co-parenting with my ex-husband and going on vacation with him as a family, all of those hard times that we go through shed light for other people. Yeah. You're showing leadership. You're showing leadership and you're showing others as a different way. 
there's a different way of approaching mm-hmm. things in life and it doesn't have to be what they think it ought to be. It could be something new, something beautiful, yeah, and right? You, and you don't have to be stuck, right? Exactly. Like, yeah, it's uncomfortable to do new stuff, but you don't have to stay there. That's a choice. Yeah. That's a choice. Yeah. I often heard, there was another uh, person that talked about the rearview mirror life and that, uh, you know, you got to get rid of that rearview mirror. A lot of people are going through life looking in a rearview mirror, which is, you know, they keep telling themselves all the times they failed previously, all the relationships, all this, all that, all the reasons why it won't work moving forward. And because they keep looking in the past as um, their path, but that's just hurting them. Right. So we got to get rid of the rearview mirror and just go forward. Yeah. So good. So powerful. We can have a whole conversation just around that, but I want to bring this forward a little bit because You've now been in uh, this business, Arbon, for quite some time, right? So tell us how that's been. Was that just the best decision of your life? And is this sort of the final chapter for you in the sense of career? Um, so, yes, it was the best decision that I've ever made in my life. I, I can honestly say because I'm using Arbon as a vehicle to change the lives of other people, but also change my life, right? Right. Um, but really and truly it's about any it's like any business that's up and down there's lots of rejection people don't get it right so you know it's it's dealing with all that but it's also about I look at the amount of time I work my business which is you know it can vary some hours some days it's two hours some days it's four hours some days it's zero like it can vary I do believe that nothing can give me the freedom that this business has given me to be able to give me the ability to be where I need to be when I need to be there. Mm -hmm. So if I need to be with my son, I have that ability. If I need to be at a bedside of a family member, I I can have that. And I believe that I cannot have that with anything else that I do. So um, to answer your question, is this the end of like my career? And this is like what I'll just keep doing. Um, This is, the vehicle to do all the things that I've ever wanted to do. Then I started um, once I became a regional vice president with Arbonne, which is the third out of four levels in the company. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, I closed my gym um, and Ian and I now just freelance and we do our own thing. I became a health and life coach because I'm too busy to not be like just doing, to only be doing one thing. I don't like that. I like to have my hand in multiple things. Um, and you know, I'm sure there'll be something else in the future, but, uh, it is my way to help inspire other people to create something out of what they're already doing. And I truly believe that I'm here to help other women and men create the life of their dreams. That's, that's what I think I'm here for. I love that. What type of advice, maybe a, maybe a point or two would you give to somebody that's working for themselves in your type of business or something similar that has served you well? Maybe a few things that come to your mind. Well, the first thing I would say is never give up. Um, I think the only way of failing at anything is to quit. Um, I believe that any entrepreneur out there literally is successful because they keep failing forward. So that's number one. Number two, I would say is, you know, what, happens in the pit of your um your business so when your business is down or things don't turn out the way you want them to that's what develops the grit in your personality and gives you the perseverance to keep going i truly believe that every challenge that you're faced with provides you with a nugget that gets you ready for the next level of you so what i always say to my team is listen you know to take your business to the next level you need like a rubina 2.0 and then the next level <laughs> of you is going to need like a 3.0 and a four. yeah you constantly have to do personal development you constantly have to invest in yourself and break down those self-limiting beliefs and create these new beliefs that will help you build the next version of you because we're always growing right so yeah. don't stop I love that. I love that. It's as if you're, you're such a strong uh, and firm believer in reinventing yourself and just this iterative yeah. process, right? It sounds like you're just somebody that's constantly reflecting on where you've been, where you're at, and where you're headed and making those incremental adjustments and essentially investing in yourself. No different than what you were doing in the gym when you're investing in your mm-hmm. body, right? Yeah, but you got to invest in yourself, mind, body, and spirit, right? Because 
at the end of the day, like our body is just our vessel, right? There's right. so much going on between our ears, you know, that um, what I do in my business, it's a business between your ears. That's where it takes place. It's all within your mind. We can all fill ourselves with mind trash every single day mm. as to why things don't work or why, you know, things don't work out or, you know, why we can't accomplish that goal. But it's all about that mental muscle that you need to build. And that comes through that personal growth. No matter what you do, whether it be reading a book or surrounding yourself with five people that are better than you and can teach you something, you got to level up all the time. And you got to get out of that comfort zone, man. That's the scary zone. It, it needs a new name. Comfort zone is not cool. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I'm with you. You get me fired up today, Robina. I thought the Americano was going to get me fired up, but no, it's you. I love this. Oh, thanks. I I'm love this. Sauce. You are the secret <laughs> sauce. <laughs> oh, too funny. I love it. So, so moving forward, it, it sounds like, I mean, obviously you, you found something that truly complements your life and, and provides you not only with, you know, financial benefit, but also just reward for your soul and the ability to also lift others up. And I think that's wonderful with the health and life coach activities. Uh, do you see yourself writing a book or doing something? Because I just feel like you have so much to give. There's, there's just, there's just a plentiful amount of things that you have. Um, and I've seen some of your content that you put on Instagram and being up there on the stage and you have such presence, at least from my vantage point. Do you ever see yourself doing something, um, along those lines? Well, Ian always tells me I should write a book. I'm not so sure about that, but I recently started a podcast in January. Congratulations. Un yeah, thank you. It's called Unstuckable, like uneffable, you know, unstuckable. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's literally helping women, so it's geared to women, get unstuck in their life. And it's listening to the stories of other women and how they found the strength and the courage to get unstuck in their life through their stories. And, and then I offer tangible tips at the end. So it's a weekly podcast and it's on, um, you know, Apple, I mean, iTunes and, and Google Play and um, some other outlets as well. But um, yeah, it's available. So I literally strive to find women that have gone through different things. So I have, um, I've interviewed a whole bunch of people from different walks of life, you know, people that have struggled with Crohn's disease. There's um, a woman who has developed a, a community for uh, heroic humans. Um, I've recently just um, um, interviewed somebody that um, was a abuse survivor. Mm -hmm. So it's just literally looking wow. at all different walks of life and how people's stories can help us find the strength to get past our struggles. Well said, Robina. Well said. I, I commend you Thank for you. doing that because, you know, when you bring those stories to life, especially ones that are difficult in nature or people's past and such, I mean, people are ultimately listening and they're looking for clues on how to navigate some of those same circumstances, right? I always feel like when we read or we listen to stories, we're, we're trying to find ourselves. It's kind of like, have you ever got a large photo album, you know, from a party? What are you looking for? You're looking for the photos yep. of yourself, right? Um, when we right. read a book, when we hear a story, we watch a movie, a documentary, we're trying to find ourselves in that path and figure out, aha, there I am. And what are the steps that this person took to navigate that that situation to get them on the side where you ultimately want to be. And you're providing that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I think um, I'm reading a book right now on storytelling and it's called Stories That Stick. And, you know, um, companies are now really starting to get uh, an understanding of the importance and the advantage point of storytelling and sales and, and helping people, you know, find the emotion that's a, a, attached to a product yeah. or a human being because when we elicit an emotional response from somebody, that's what makes it a human experience. That's what makes you buy Oof. one pack of gum over another pack of gum. So right? true. And so everybody is using storytelling now as a way of advertising. So, you know, what better way to share who you are and the struggles that you go through in your life in order to help other people change theirs. I right? love so it. Is so powerful. 
And that's what you're doing through this podcast. And that's what you're doing too, Robina. We're we're doing this together. We're doing this together. Yeah, we are. You know, Mm -hmm. as you share that, it reminded me of something I heard, which is, uh, you know, people won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you made them feel. Yep. Right. And and Eric, it's funny because that is one of my models in life is I want to leave everybody that comes to contact me a little bit better than I found them. Because that is the gift, you know, of life is, um, you know, I, I, I really believe that you have a very different gift than I have. And our purpose in life is to share our gifts yeah. with those, everyone that we're around. And that's your dharma. That's what your life purpose is. And that is how people will remember you, right? What's the legacy you're going to leave behind? It's not just about, you know, what services you provide people. It's about how you make them feel. You're 100% right. And, you know, you, you're you in such a wonderful position, too, as a mother, you know, with your, your four beautiful children, to be able to pass that that energy, that vibe, that information onto them. And, you know, because now you're going to have four human beings that are going to grow up and uh, be wonderful citizens of this global world that we live in, right? Um, that parenting is so, so key. I always tell my... Um, when I have conversations uh, with my folks or my mom specifically, always just reinforcing, um, you know, without you, I wouldn't be where I'm at. And it was because of those things that you taught at such a young age. Um, and, you know, sometimes you hear things you don't want to hear, right? <laughs> you have to do things you don't want to do. But uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's so critical. And I can only imagine the benefit that your children are getting from just where you're at in your life and, and what you've gone through and now being able to pass that on to them. Thank you. So I have a few questions as we wrap up the interview today. The first one is, um, these are just a few set of questions I'd like to ask uh, towards the end here, which is, number one, what's the last random act of kindness that you did for another individual, and how did it make you feel? Um, I would say I went to go help somebody that uh, wasn't necessarily directly involved in my business, and I just did it out of the kindness of my heart. it made me feel great because I'm here to serve, right? And so mm-hmm. I, I really believe everything comes back to you. Wonderful. And what is one of your favorite books that you would share with others? Um, the Secret by far and The Super Tractor by Gabrielle Bernstein. Okay. And then if you could only travel, and this is difficult, if you could only travel to one more place in the world, where would it be and why? Um, I would probably say Mauritius. Um, I've never been there. I've seen the pictures. I'm all about the sea. So I need to a beach and a sea. And um, it's very far away. I know it's very expensive. It's off of Africa, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just feel like I would be complete if I was on that beach. <laughs> <laughs> now, are you holding a cup with an umbrella in it? <laughs> no. you're in the water okay (laughs) even better (laughs) and lastly where can people find you online uh you can find me on instagram at rabina walling uh you can find me on facebook as well um you can as, as rabina abramson walling and you can find me on my website at www.RabinaAbramsonWallen.com or my podcast at The Unstuckable Podcast on any of the providers that are that have podcasts. Wonderful. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day uh, to, to get on the show here with me, Rabina. It's been just such a pleasure to get to know more about you, hear your story, and I think what I'm going to take away from today is just, uh, I'm going to get after it. I'm literally going to count down. (laughs) I'm going to use this five second rule. You've inspired me tremendously. And I want to thank you for that uh, and passing on that energy and uh, wish that you have a a great rest of the day. Thanks, Eric. I really appreciate it. And thank you for taking the time to get to know me.